Section 34 of the Cambridge Modern History, Volume 2, The Reformation. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Chapter 10, The Helvetic Reformation, by the Reverend J. P. Whitney, Part 2. This same year the question of Lenten observance began the Zwinglian Reformation. Some of Zwingli's followers did not share his willingness to wait for the action of the magistracy. The printer, Froschauer, and others ate meat publicly in the presence of Leo Judd and Zwingli himself. They could justify themselves by his teaching that nothing not commanded by Scripture was binding upon Christians, and he undertook their defence. His sermon on the choice or freedom of food was preached now, March 30, 1522, and afterwards printed, as were many of his sermons delivered about this time. He advocated freedom for the individual upon whom lay the responsibility to act without scandal. The civic authorities made a compromise. No distinction was drawn, they said, by the New Testament between kinds of food, but for the sake of peace the old rule should be kept until changed by authority, and the people's priests were to check the people from any breach of this ruling. The disregard of custom and authority shown by the decree and the act leading to it could not be overlooked, and the Bishop of Constance sent a commission consisting of his suffragan, Melchior Batli, and two others to settle the matter. The commissioners laid their views before the priests and the smaller council, and commanded them to observe existing customs, April 7, 1522. Before the great council, Zwingli answered the suffragans' arguments, and the debate really turned upon church authority and custom as against individual freedom. At its close, the council repeated its old decree, pending a settlement by the Bishop of Constance, which they begged him to make according to the law of Christ. This was a practical abrogation of episcopal power, for the bishop's standing was clear. The Zwinglian Reformation, therefore, begins as an ecclesiastical revolution, founded on action rather than doctrine, by which a city freed itself from outward control and organized itself afresh. His learned friend, Johann Faber, the vicar-general of Constance, afterwards an Orlick councillor and a leading ecclesiastic, had just returned from a visit to Rome, May 1522, and thenceforth made the opposition against Zwingli. So early as 1519 the latter had marked him as one from whom, although a humanist, the gospel had little to hope. Zwingli's literary work at the time recalls that of Wycliffe in the years before his death. The Achteles, a full statement of his position, was written in haste and appeared now, August 22, 1522. On reading it, Erasmus begged him to be more cautious and to act with others. Oculampadius also urged restraint. The same year, July 2, ten priests joined Zwingli in a petition to the bishop to allow clerical marriage, wherein the wish for innovation was as distinct as the picture of existing morals was dark. There can be no doubt that the priests in Switzerland, owing partly to the disorganization of episcopal rule and partly to the isolation of their parishes, had a low standard of life. Of this there is ample evidence from both episcopal and reforming documents. A like request, made to the Federal Diet, 
July 13, was accompanied by a repudiation of the names Lutheran and Hussites. These requests had no result beyond making clear the position of those who preferred them. At Zurich, repeated troubles with the monks and disturbances during Zwingli's sermons made it necessary for the burgomaster to restore order. His decree, this time coupled with no appeal to the bishop, was that the pure word of God must be preached, and the scholastics, a term loosely used for teachers held to be old-fashioned, left alone. A chapter, August 15, of the country clergyman came to the same decision. Thus backed by civic and clerical authority, Zwingli held himself free. The Bible, as interpreted by the responsible bishop, so he terms all pastors, and indeed, in one place, all humanists, was to be the sole guide of faith. City and country, pastors and magistrates were combined into a stronghold of reform. The system thus begun may be described on the one side as individualistic, and on the other as civic. The appeal to the scriptures alone was individualistic, due to humanism without prepossession. The civic element was due to the circumstances of Zurich. In a federal republic, accustomed to diets, a public disputation, suggested in Achteles, seemed a likely way to settle controversies. It recalled at once university exercises and general councils. It was at once learned and democratic. Such an assembly was called at the end of the year and met in Zurich, January 29, 1523. The invitation to this disputation shows the great council for the first time definitely on Zwingli's side, and each subsequent stage of the Swiss Reformation was marked by a similar encounter. Zwingli had resigned his parochial charge, but had been allowed by the council the use of the pulpit. In the disputation he and his doctrine were the central points of debate. To regulate the disputation he had drawn up sixty-seven theses. The fundamental conception of the doctrine here set forth was that of the Church as a democratic body of all Christians, each in open communication with God, independently of externals or means of grace, guided by the study of Scripture and the illumination of God's Spirit. To this conception the republicanism of letters and of Switzerland had each contributed something. Starting from this assumption, the theses placed the gospel alone as the basis of truth and the secular authority as the governor of the organization. They deny the power of pope and hierarchy, the sacrifice in the mass, the invocation of saints, purgatory, times of fasting, and clerical celibacy. About six hundred were present at the disputation, including representatives of the bishop, with Faber among them. Schaffhausen, however, was the only canton which sent deputies. Faber urged the postponement of a decision until the expected general council met, but Zwingli's reply was that the word of God was the sole authority, and competent scholars could interpret it, so that there was no need of a council's decision. When the audience met after dinner, the burgomaster Reust, who presided, declared in the name of the council that Zwingli had not been convicted of heresy, and therefore ordered that he should go on preaching the Holy Gospel with the Holy Spirit's help. Zurich was thus committed to Zwingli, and the importance of the decision was shown by Faber's printing his own account of what took place as a correction of the Zurich account. The first disputation marks Zwingli's control of the city as established, and their joint, complete, and open rupture with the past. Zwingli was now sure of his ground and could proceed more rapidly. His literary activity was accompanied by practical changes. 
Leo Judd had translated the baptismal office into German and used it, August 10, 1523. A committee was appointed to deal with the minister chapter for which a new constitution was issued, September 29, 1523. Fees for baptism and burial were abolished. Holders of minster offices were to discharge their duties to the utmost of their health and strength. As they died off, their places were to be left unfulfilled unless chaplains were needed, and the income was to be applied to other purposes. The chapter's fall was not undeserved, for, though there were some excellent members, it had become a refuge for men of good family and poor education. The Bible was to be read by the minster clergy publicly an hour a day in Hebrew, Greek, and Latin with explanations. Free lectures and fit lodgings were provided for candidates for the ministry, so that they need no longer go abroad. The public lectures were the origin of the later prophesying. In this scheme of teaching, Zwingli had able helpers in Leo Judd, people's priest at All Saints, 1523, and Myconius, now... 1524, at the Minster School. Zwingli remained faithful to the principles of Erasmus and never fell into the easy error of underestimating education as compared with spiritual zeal. The educational scheme was completed for Zurich itself after the dissolution of the monasteries which followed in December 1524. What remained of the chapter's income when education had been provided for went to the poor and the aged. In his poor laws, as in all his social legislation, Zwingli showed a clear and almost modern appreciation of needs and methods, notably in his discouragement of mendicancy and use of careful inquiry. The literary side of Zwingli's work in this stage was the Auslegung und Begründung des Schlussreden, an unsystematic explanation of the theses for the disputation. The work, which was preceded by a letter to the council and people of Glarus, was a full and in parts lengthy exposition of the theses written in German. It was a farrago of all the opinions which are controverted today. The explanations of the theses upon the papacy and the mass are especially long, which is noteworthy as Zwingli had as yet not attacked the mass in practice. This work, written night and day amid the expectation of his friends, and incidentally discussing his relations with Luther, may be held up to contain the full programme of the Helvetic Reformation, July 14, 1523. Not only did he dislike to be called Lutheran, but on some points, such as purgatory, confession, and invocation of saints, he differs from Luther. Against the monks he inveighs strongly, all monasteries ought to be turned into hospitals, the Reformation in Switzerland made most way where there were many monasteries and least where there were none. The difference that arose between the larger houses and their tenants made the latter more eager to embrace Protestantism, and the secularization of the monasteries here laid down as desirable was a very practical part of the Swiss Reformation. The peasants in some parts undoubtedly looked for profit from the dissolution. Zwingli also explains his method of dealing with doctrine, the invocation of saints he had let remain until the populace should have learnt to do without it and worship Christ alone. Confirmation and extreme unction he would retain as rites, not as sacraments, but auricular confession, pictures and music should be banished from churches. Zwingli held that it was his part to teach, but that to make changes belonged to the civic authority. 
but his teaching had led some of his followers to act without waiting for the civic rulers. Pictures and images were torn down both in town and country. After much discussion, the question came before the great council, which suspended judgment until a second disputation should be held. This took place on October 26, 1523. The bishops and the other cantons were invited, but the bishops did not come. 800 persons, 350 of them ecclesiastics, were present. This time St. Gallen, as well as Schaffhausen, was represented. Luzern and Obwalden angrily refused the invitation. The first day's debate was upon images and pictures, which Zwingli held forbidden in all cases. Some urged delay, but the final decision was that idols and pictures should be removed, but without a breach of the peace. Those who had already broken the peace were to be pardoned as a rule, but a leader, Nicolas Hottinger, was afterwards banished for two years. On the second day the mass was discussed. Zwingli had prepared theses according to which the mass was no sacrifice and had been surrounded by abuses but the appearance in the disputation of the Anabaptists, an organized radical party basing their views upon his teaching, and yet going beyond him in action, hampered him greatly and made the magistracy cautious. At the disputation, Zwingli noted in a formal way that the ecclesiastical authorities had done nothing. This was true, although the Bishop of Constance had, in a dignified note, asserted his constitutional position. He could not appear, and he begged them to exercise restraint. But the civil authorities were now, in Zwingli's view and in their own, called upon to act. A commission of eight members of the two councils and six ecclesiastics was named to discuss what steps should be taken. Until a settlement, the clergy were to be instructed by an epistle which Zwingli was asked to write. Preachers were also sent out, Wolfgang Juner, abbot of Kappe, who had lately called the younger Bullinger to his help, together with others, visited the canton. Zwingli himself went in the direction of the Torgau. The second disputation, wherein discussion turned solely on the interpretation of the scriptures, marks a fresh stage in the Reformation, even apart from the appearance of the Anabaptists. The short introduction to Christian doctrine, eine kurze christliche Einleitung, is its literary monument. The Reformation was now no longer a purely civic affair. From the first, the Catholic cantons had been indisposed to treat it as such, among people of simple minds, and with an unformed federal system, religious innovation and religious discord put a heavy strain both upon federal action and other bonds of union. The federal diet at Baden, September 30, 1523, had threatened all innovators with punishment, and Luzern in particular had shown by its action the strength of its feelings. The Reformation had thus already divided the Confederation, and no Diet had been held at Zurich since March 1522. The union of the cantons before this time had, however, been so loose that it is easy to overestimate the retrograde effects of the Reformation. The introduction, written in fourteen days, was circulated in November 1523, and was intended for the clergy, not the public. It started from an explanation of the relations between the law and the gospel, passing on to an application to present needs, the question of images, and that of the mass. Throughout the canton, priests here and there ceased to say mass. When Konrad Hoffmann and the Catholics of the chapter complained, the council, advised by the parish priests, forbade them to speak or act against what had been settled, under pain of loss of their benefices and banishment. At Whitsuntide, a full settlement should be made, January 1524. 
a further appeal from the catholic cantons to abstain from innovations february twenty five fifteen twenty four only called forth the answer that they would observe the federal league but could not yield in matters of conscience march twenty one for christmas day fifteen twenty three zwingli had announced an administration in both kinds at the cathedral and the substitution of a sermon for the daily mass the council however decreed that until whitsuntide old mass and new administration should continue side by side images and crucifixes the use of which had been quietly checked for some time were on no account to be carried about the exact form of the substitute for the mass was to be settled at a fresh disputation december nineteenth fifteen twenty three when whitsuntide came may fifteenth fifteen twenty four the council resolved to act on its own authority without waiting for the bishop the committee appointed in fifteen twenty three suggested the removal of pictures and images by legally named authorities at the wish of each community and zwingli urged the replacing of the early mass by a sermon and the lord's supper the committee however did not altogether follow him as to the mass this was left in use but the images were removed the tardy intervention of the bishop defending the mass and images was disregarded this decision was adopted by both councils and sent round to the bailiffs in the country for execution june to july the majority of a village however could decide to keep or remove images as they pleased removal was to be carried out by the pastor and responsible men the use of organs the passing bell and extreme unction were also abolished a reply to the bishop was composed by zwingli who was now all-powerful and approved by the council the section on the mass is zwingli's first complete statement of his views which he was now developing he carried on a controversy partly as to this subject with jerome emser of leipzig who had attacked luther for his alteration of the canon in his antibolon august eighteen in answer to this opponent in an apology addressed to diebold gerolzek october nine fifteen twenty three in his de canona misse epicarisis fifteen twenty three in his subsidium sive coronis de eucharistia fifteen twenty five and in his de vera et falsa religione fifteen twenty five zwingli dealt with this central point negatively he repudiated all sacramental efficacy and reduced the rite to a mere sign nuda signa positively he laid great stress notably in his reply to emser upon its aspect as a feast and a corporate act it was therefore social not merely individual in its importance the mass at zurich was abolished in april fifteen twenty five but the religious houses had been previously suppressed the monks who did not return to the world were placed together in the franciscan monastery the convent of the minster of our lady december fourth fifteen twenty four and the chapter of the great minster december twenty gave up their possessions to the city and the monasteries throughout the canton followed the incomes were devoted to education or the poor a gymnasium for instance was endowed with the funds of the great minster and zwingli himself became rector of the carolinum april fourteen fifteen twenty five as the united scholastic foundations were called his scheme of graduated studies leading up to the ministry was adequate and well thought out by a development of the plan of biblical instruction begun in fifteen twenty three the prophesyings or expositions took the place of the choir services while the linguistic instruction was extended july nineteenth fifteen twenty five 
when a synodal organization september twenty three fifteen twenty seven and church courts stillstander for discipline and marriage cases were set up may tenth fifteen twenty five the reformation upon its constructive as well as its destructive side was completed as a purely civic organization even in its details it was systematic and orderly a register of baptisms for instance was begun in fifteen twenty six for the city and afterwards extended to the canton of the elaborate system thus established zwingli was the bishop and the soul it seems strange to find the council at this date august nineteenth fifteen twenty four writing to the pope that they were unable to stop the course of change even had they wished owing to the strength of popular opinion the pope's reply was conciliatory and prolonged negotiations took place fifteen twenty five to twenty six the city trying to obtain the arrears of its military pay and clement the seventh seeking to keep the city firm in its old alliance in no respect were the positions of luther and of zwingli more contrasted than in the treatment they received from the papacy and the cause of this was the papal hope of help from zurich the civic position of zwingli was now significant theoretically he might consider the congregation the ecclesiastical power but in practice the community acted he had realized his conception of the prophet guiding the community nay more he was as salat said burgomaster secretary and council in one first the great council the democratic body had been one then the smaller council and finally events gave zwingli even further power marcus reust and felix schmidt the experienced burgomasters had died fifteen twenty four joachim amgrut zwingli's opponent in the debates upon the mass fifteen twenty five had been dismissed from his office of city clerk end of fifteen twenty five zwingli was the sole leader left at a threatening crisis november twenty fifteen twenty four the burgomaster and the chief guildmaster received authority to settle pressing business privately with the help of trusty men this is the first appearance of the privy council in and through which zwingli afterwards worked and to which foreign affairs were mainly entrusted the experience of the peasants war fifteen twenty four to twenty five inclined zwingli to a body less democratic than a large assembly and his policy often required secrecy through this body the heimliche rat or the privy six which became permanent in fifteen twenty nine zwingli exerted his influence the council itself was purged by the exclusion of those opposed to him december nine fifteen twenty eight who were found chiefly among the nobles the numbers representing the konstafel in the two councils were reduced from six to three and from eighteen to twelve respectively fifteen twenty nine thus beyond the protestant democracy and the two councils stood the commanding personality of zwingli working through and upon each of them but above them all through the privy six Zwingli had been so gently treated by the Pope, and his career had been so fortunate that his conflict with the Anabaptists might well seem to him the hardest struggle undergone by him. The leaders of that party had been among those who, by eating flesh in Lent, began the breach with episcopacy. They and their followers pulled down crucifixes before the state had legalized such acts, but they could appeal to Zwingli's teaching they first appear as a distinct party in the second disputation october fifteen twenty three conrad grebel son of jacob grebel executed november fifteen twenty six for treason and felix Munz, 
both men of influential families and with private grudges against Zwingli, were leaders of this radical party in the city. Outside the city were other local centres, Zoliken, Wüdeken, and Hung. The dislike of tithes, so loudly expressed in the peasants' revolt, was shared by many Anabaptists, and at Gröningen, a centre where this economic side of the Anabaptist movement showed itself, it united with that of the peasants. Zwingli himself was averse from levying the small tithes upon vegetables and fruit. He held further that tithes had merely legal but not scriptural warrant. The council, however, disagreed with him and tithes were maintained. At first the movement was indigenous, but late in 1524 Münzer came to Waldshut, northwest of Zurich, and Karstadt to Zurich itself. Some German Anabaptists from St. Gallen also worked in Zurich territory. These influences from outside intensified the movement and organized it. But it was more a radical than a doctrinal movement, and hence Zwingli, jealous for the unity of his new organization, and yet largely in sympathy with their views, appealed to the Anabaptists in vain not to found a separate body. When they did so, a public disputation with them, the first of several, was arranged, January 17 and 18, 1525, and it was followed by a decree that all unbaptized children must be baptized within a week, or their parents would be banished. Some of the leaders were imprisoned, and with these Zwingli held private and repeated discussions. Inasmuch as this new society rejected the authority of magistrates and pastors alike, the council, by severe punishment, tried to suppress the movement. Munz was put to death by drowning, January 7, 1527, and the foreign leaders were banished, most of them to meet violent deaths later and elsewhere. In spite of Zwingli's severity against them, due to his resentment as a rejected leader, whom they had come to hate as the false prophet, their small congregations continued to exist. Their energy afterwards found vent in needed criticism of clerical life, and the Synod of Easter, 1528, had for one of its objects a tightening of clerical discipline which might meet the objections and gain over the objectors. After the final removal of the mass, the radicals turned to social matters, and especially at Gröningen attacked the tithes. An agitation against tithes and the monasteries had to a great extent common objects with the Zwinglians. The houses of Ruti and Bubikon were attacked by rioters, and a popular assembly at Tuss, June 5, 1525, caused great fear. The defeat of the peasants' revolt in Germany made the Allied movement easier to deal with in Switzerland, and Zwingli's negotiations, together with public disputations, resulted in a settlement. Tithes remained, but personal servitude, where the ownership of the state was concerned, was done away with. The villagers of the lake communes were henceforth regarded as citizens of the town. The general result here, as in Germany, was to arouse a dread of change, and outside Zurich, Zwingli's teaching was greatly blamed as an exciting cause. Incidentally, the vain attempt of Ulrich of Württemberg to regain his duchy by the help of the peasants and Swiss mercenaries had made the governments at Ensisheim and Innsbruck suspicious of Switzerland. The grievances of the peasants, intensified by the effect of the Reformation upon the public lands, remained unredressed, and a century later led to the Peasants' War, 1653. Few chapters in the history of federalism are more instructive than this failure on the part of a democratic federation to govern its conquests or to respect their liberties. End of section 34